saddest kazoo ever. I'm glad that you brought it back, though. I haven't seen it for a while. Well, we haven't. Like, this is our first or second time, third time recording, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we recorded, like, ten episodes ahead. I don't then, know if it was that many, but yeah. And then I didn't see you for literally, like, ten weeks. Right. <laughs> Well, I, again, I think you might be over-exaggerating, inflating the numbers, as uh, you will. Uh, but, yeah, it has been, like, we literally spent so much time trying to get ahead. And we're trying to do it again because we had to get ahead so you would go to school, you come back. We're trying to get ahead because I'm basically on vacation the entire month of July. So I'm not going to be able to record. Right. Ooh. Yeah, not your month is two episodes. <laughs> right, but it feels like fifty. <laughs> My excursion was like literally seven episodes. I don't understand. I was only gone for five weeks. <laughs> I don't know how that no, it was just three episodes that I think we had to get ahead. <sighs> was it? Uh and I had to edit I think only two of them, but then when you came back you were having internet issues and technology issues. So I was like, yeah, screw it. I'm already recording everything. I'll just do it. Yeah. And you seem to have this skill where six minutes of podcast works for an hour <laughs> versus me where six, 60 minutes of podcast is six minutes of editing. So, uh, You know what? Here's my thing, though. And, and you have admitted this. When you first get into editing, it's everything is very particular. Like every little bit, you're toning it, you're tuning in to every little detail. And then in the end, you realize half the shit you're looking for, nobody else even notices. Right. Yeah. So you take out a couple extra ums and some clicks and what have you, some dead space, but in the end, as long as it sounds good on your car speakers, who cares? Yeah. I guess you would quote Lincoln Park in that sentence. In the end, it doesn't even matter. Hey, I need to send you this, and I think we can talk about it, but I don't know that I can play it. Colt Ford, he's kind of a chunky white country rapper guy, covers in the end. With another guy that I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It's not supposed to work as good as it does. And it it's good. Colt Ford. Yeah. I'll have Ish. to check it out. Yeah. I'll send it to you later. Yeah. Send it to me uh, and I'll check it out. I mean, Lincoln Park has some good songs. So I'd be interested in checking that out. Yeah. Chester, uh, he, uh, he was very talented musically and unfortunately gone too soon. Yeah, well, that happens with all of the best musicians. True story, which is why we still have Nickelback and <laughs> three of the four members of the Beatles. Uh, yeah, so uh, no normal intro, because, and we're not going to do a normal intro from this point out until we get a new <laughs> intro, because it's no longer Sergeant's Bacon and Cigar. So we have to change it up. We have to we have to do something new. And uh, even though we should have prepared for it, we didn't. 
but you know, I mean, Hey, we, we all have shit going on. Like we have to prioritize everything. It is what it is. Right. Well, you know, I basically was like, Hey, can we move recording to the day to the left? Because I can't make it work in the summertime on Thursdays. Right. So. Well, yeah, your summers with Boy Scouts and everything else, you know, it gets ridiculous. Yeah. And it's ridiculous on my end with everything that I have going on, too. So, you know, we'll just make it work. I actually, because, again, time travel is hard. And Monday was Juneteenth. So I was off. And then you go back to work on Tuesday, Tuesday morning. I'm like, okay, I'm square. It's Tuesday morning. Today I go to work and I'm like, is it Tuesday? Is it Wednesday? Is it Thursday? I don't know what day it is. I feel like I've got these things planned and I don't know what's going on. And then you text me, you're like, we recording tonight. And I'm like, crap, that's it. <laughs> so, what is the longest day of the year? So is it really? Yeah. June 21st is like the first day of summer. Is it really? Yeah. I got it. Officially. I got to get some vegetables in the garden. Anything new with you? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty new going on with me. Uh, Okay. I'm still enlisted, but I finally got a promotion. Uh, So pretty excited about that. So uh, I'm actually truly at the level of platoon sergeant now. That's not my job. That's not my title, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm officially at that level. There you go. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> it's all downhill about that. from there. <laughs> right. Well, it's true, right? Because at that point is when your SEMB starts playing chess with your career. Mm hmm. And uh, they don't always invite you in on that conversation. Well, yeah. Yeah. You're true. <laughs> true usually when you get to about that two three year mark that's when they start kind of bringing you in like hey you should probably shit or get off the pot you know yeah they never once brought me into that conversation really yep now being so i outrank all the star majors i can tell them <laughs> shit or get <laughs> exactly off the pot what i think so it's interesting because one of our op star majors and i are pretty good friends yeah and i said hey you know it sure would have been nice to been involved with that conversation about my career he's like and he agreed he's like this is something we we got away from that we need to get back to is actually bringing in our senior e7s and being like this is our plan for you right so yeah i had uh before today about a week maybe two weeks ago uh i did have a talk with my first sergeant uh which Great guy. I mean, love the guy to death. One of the greatest leaders I have ever had the pleasure to work with. Uh, and I've worked with him in the past, and we're working together now. And uh, truly an inspiration to what every leader should be. Uh, so uh, I'll give a shout out there. Uh, and he asked me, you know, like, what, what's your career look like? What do you want to do? And I was kind of like, well, you know, here's my deal. You know, if, if I get promoted, cause I applied for a job, if I get this promotion, then I, I don't know, I have more options on the table. If I don't get this promotion, well, then I probably got about four and a half years left and I'll walk out the door. I'm happy either way, but kind of like that ball in my court, not in uncle Sam's court. Yeah, true. 
when I get to that time, I want to be like, eh, okay, it's time for me to, to walk out or, you know, I think I still have a little bit more to give. I want that ball in my court. As far as like, where do I go from here? You know, um, as far as, you know, master sergeant or sergeant first class, I don't know. You, you ask me today, uh, I don't really have that drive, that desire, but ask me in a year and a half, two years, things might change. Well, it's interesting because you've only been at this new job for like a year. Uh, no, about, uh, seven months, eight months. So you're at the new job for seven months and you get promoted. You're at the old job for like 10 years. No, no, uh, three. Yeah, well, yeah, so it's, again with the exaggerations. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a little tricky, right? So, um, yeah. when when I lateraled, which means uh, I was already this rank and I just moved over to this position, I don't really have any restrictions for promotion opportunities. Uh, and when I went over to that position, I kind of had a little inkling, inkling. I don't even know how to say the word, but I had an idea that the E7 position was going to open up. Uh, and, and I was like, holy crap, this position is going to open up. And it's in a field that is really not necessarily a field that the mil military has, right? It's not an MOS, sure. but it's, it's a specialty, an area of expertise that I just happen to have. And so I, I I hate saying so few people have that knowledge, but the people that are that have the opportunity to get into those positions might not necessarily have that knowledge. Sure. So uh, I took a little bit of a gamble and uh, lateraled over to a new job, a new area of interest with the hopes that uh, the promotion would happen. And uh, it worked out. I was prepared for the worst. I was good either way, but it worked out. I, I officially, as of today, the day we record this, I got I'm promoted. Hell yeah! So so good month for both of us. Yeah, yeah. It's been literally almost almost uh, thirty days <laughs> since my appointment and your promotion. So yeah, that's right. That's right. Warrant officers get appointed. Yes. You don't take a commission until your CW2, you complete your basic course. Oh, it's very similar okay. to like a butter bar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I was like, well, aren't warrants commissioned? So technically yes. Now, mm -hmm. since like 2004, when the officers are like, oh, you don't need your, your own branch. Do you remember in the BDU days, all your warrants had the the eagle rising on the on the collar. You know, I I do remember my BDU days, but I did not pay attention. Uh, yeah, you were too busy figuring out uh, ways to get into mischief. So yeah, I was I was I was well endowed in the E four mafia ways. I, at that I point. bet you were. <laughs> <laughs> you were the squad father. I well, I wanted to be. I'm sure. Uh, do you have some military history? I do. I right. do. Well, let's see how this goes. It's time for military history. So July 5th, right? So on July 5th of 1775, the Olive Branch Petition was adopted by the Continental Congress and professed 
the attachment of the American people to George III. It expressed hope for restoration of harmony and begged the king to prevent further hostile actions against the colonies. The following day, Congress passed a resolution written by Thomas Jefferson and John Dickinson called a Declaration of the Causes and Necessities of Taking Up Arms, which rejected the independence but asserted that Americans were ready to die and rather than be enslaved. King George refused to receive the Olive Branch Petition on August 23rd and proclaimed the American colonies to be in open rebellion. He was kind of a dick. Well, I mean, you haven't you have a group of people who are who are rebelling. They're not accepting the way. And King George was not going to be like, "Okay, well, let's change the law. Let's change the rule." He said, "It's time for war, bitch." Yeah. We kicked their ass. And in 1812, they came back we kicked their ass again. (laughs) (laughs) The first time wasn't enough for you, eh? Easy there, George. (laughs) (laughs) Slow down. You're getting old. On uh, 1776, the Declaration of Independence was printed by John Dunlop in Philadelphia. 200 copies were prepared July 5th and 6th and distributed to the states. I love that damn Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Great, great document. Little outdated, but I think it was still vague enough to be relevant. Well, think about it. If we tried to rewrite it now, it would never get done. Never. I mean, that's a whole episode within it. We should do an episode, and this is coming out July 5th. That's what we should have done was the declaration of in- next year, folks. Next year. Bacon and Seagar. Read the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Hell yeah. I have a I have a copy. Do you? I got it. That's that's what I got when I saluted that. <laughs> oh yeah, the first sergeant. Like, yeah, yeah, that like <laughs> I'm surprised that guy's freaking arm didn't fall off. Yeah. How big was your class? Ninety-two. Oh yeah. Hundred salutes right in a row. Arms yeah. falling off. Yep. I don't think he enjoyed it any more than we did. <laughs> <laughs> no. This is what my life has been reduced to. Salute. 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 No wonder you look so damn old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In 1861, the first large-scale engagement of the Civil War was fought in southwestern Missouri, signaling an escalation in the hostilities between the North and the South. Missouri was the scene of some of the most bitter partisan fighting during the war. After the clash at Fort Sumter in April... The state was deeply divided. The Missouri State Guardsmen, a force of 6,000 men, were commanded by Confederate Governor Claiborne Jackson and Colonel Sterling Price. They were poorly equipped and outfitted mostly in civilian clothing. Their Union counterpart was a force of 1,100 mostly German Americans from St. Louis, commanded by General Franz Seigel. Seigel's force occupied Springfield in late June and then collided with the Confederates at nearby Carthage on July 5th. Each side kind of said they won, but there was only like grand total between both sides, like 50 people died. 
That's crazy. It, it's almost like, uh, you know, hey, we're going to war. You want to be on our team? Yeah, I want to be on your team. Uh, cool. Uh, do you have a uniform? Nah, just wear right, what you you're got. On their team. Yeah. <laughs> just shirts and skins kind of thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be reflective belts. They're not. Yeah. On July 5th, 1945, General Douglas MacArthur announced that the liberation of the Philippines from its Japan occupiers was complete. I know nothing about that. So MacArthur was kind of a, I don't know, he was a guy, just kind of a <laughs> well, son yeah, of a bitch. No, I figured that out. <laughs> but uh, the, he needed something to be in command of. Obviously, he was a general. <laughs> there, <laughs> hey, sir, there's a toilet bowl right over there. You're in command. Well, so he he up and left the Philippines and went to Australia for a little bit. And uh, that was where the I shall return thing came okay. from, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, the whole thing at Bataan and all that shit happened. Oh, And he yeah. shows up much later and he's like, ah, it comes through to liberate the Philippines, right? After like all this bad stuff happened, but. Okay. So he's part of the, uh, what we know it today is the Bataan Death March. Well, he wasn't part of that. Okay. He left before all that happened. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. Yeah. He saw that and he's like, yeet. <laughs> yeah. Like, rucksack and what? I'm out. He went, Homer, nope. <laughs> nope. I'll be back later, guys. Enjoy. <laughs> See you at the finish line. I'm going to skip this one and we'll come back to it in a little bit. All right. And then moving on to 1947, rancher Mac Brazil found unusual debris 75 miles northwest of Roswell, New Mexico, scattered over an area of 300 year yards, 300 yards wide, holy shit, and three quarters of a mile long. This led to rumors of an alien crash. The military said it was a crashed weather balloon. Yeah, wow, history does repeat itself. Hmm. Interesting, sir. I wonder if it was a Chinese balloon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very well could have been. So when I was down at Fort Bliss, I ran, me and some guys, we ran up to Roswell thinking it was going to be all impressive, and it's not. <laughs> no. There's like an alien museum up there. It's kind of. I have this feeling like even Area 51, like the whole thing is that if you try to visit it, the security forces come out and that's the attraction. There ain't nothing there. They moved the gate at Area 51 because remember a few years ago they were going to do that storm Area 51 thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they moved the actual gate farther in, right? Now there's like a Why would you move it farther in? So it takes them longer to get there. Oh, you have the, more time okay, to mobilize the, your the, your the, the, attack force. But the gate is supposed to keep people out. So if you move the gate farther out, then you have more time to react as well. Because now instead of being this close trying to get through the gate, they're that far trying to get through the gate. Well, if they got past the first line of defense, which is really just like a white pickup truck with a guy in there with some binoculars. <laughs> right. <laughs> Holy shit. So All if right. you get past him, 
who's probably sleeping. Yeah, probably. Looking for a radio station. He, he can't do anything but call the sergeant of the guard. And the sergeant yeah. of the guard is at the Mexican restaurant down the road. Don't interrupt me while I'm eating my toquita. <laughs> I don't need Was toquita a word? I don't know. I don't know. Um, in 1989, the former National Security Council aide, Oliver North, received a $150,000 fine and a suspended prison term for his part in the Iran-Contra. His conviction was later overturned. Yeah, go figure. I got to meet Ollie North. Did you really? I did. In, uh, when I was in Iraq. He was doing, like, touring the world with Ollie North or something like that, right? Okay. And uh, he was there, as, like, it was him and, like, Geraldo. <laughs> <laughs> Neil McCoy. <laughs> oh, my God. The Geraldo. Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. It was quite the entourage. Uh, Kurt Angle. <laughs> Freaking sponsored by the USO, who will yeah, throw exactly what it was. anything at the soldiers because they will love anything other than having to do their job. Exactly. Yeah. Freaking Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. I think the nappy roots were there. <laughs> <laughs> the nappy roots. Uh, They're like a rap band from like, are they bands? Rap bands? What are they? Rap groups? Yeah. They were a rap group? I don't know. I've probably heard of them, but it's not ringing a bell. In 2001, Kenneth Williams, an FBI agent in Phoenix, Arizona, wrote to the Bureau headquarters that Al-Qaeda could be sending terrorists to train as student pilots. He urged the investigation of Middle Eastern men enrolled in the American flight schools. That was July. Mm, Man. And finally, the U.S.-led... Oh, this is in 2004. The U.S.-led coalition launched an airstrike in the restive city of Fallujah on suspected safe house used by the followers of Al-Zakawi. The attack killed 15 insurgents. I feel like I should know more about that. Like, that's relevant, but I kind of draw on a blank. Do we want to do this under military history? I'll rewind a little bit. Yep, Whatever you want to do, just do it. So, going all the way back to July 5th of 1946, the French designer, Louis Reard, unveils... Louis who? Reard. Reard? Okay. Reard. Reard. Don't don't make it Reard. <laughs> I've already made it Reard. So, Louis Reard unveils a daring two-piece swimsuit at the Piscine Molitor a popular swimming pool in Paris. A Parisian showgirl, Micheline Bernardini, modeled the new fashion, which Reard dubbed the bikini. Inspired by a newsmaking U.S. atomic test that took place off of the Bikini Atoll in the Pacific Ocean earlier that week, European women first began wearing the two-piece bathing suits that consisted of a halter top and shorts in the 1930s. But only a sliver of midriff was revealed, and the navel was vigilantly covered. Nobody wants to see that belly button, honey. Nobody. <laughs> You're right. Not 1930. <laughs> Show me everything but the belly button. The United States, the modest two-piece, made its appearance during World War II, 
when wartime rationing of fabric saw the removal of the skirt panel and the superfluous material. In 1946, French designers came up with fashions to match the liberated mood of the people. Two French designers, Jacques Heim and Louis Reard, developed competing prototypes of the bikini. Heim called his the Atom, A-T-O-M, okay. and advertised it as the world's smallest bathing suit. Reared swimsuit, which was basically a bra top with two inverted triangles connected by a string, <laughs> was significantly smaller. Oh, damn. He made his out of a scant 30 inches of fabric. Fabric counts, man. Fabric counts. Reared promoted his creation as smaller than the world's smallest bathing suit. (laughs) Reared called his creation the bikini, and uh, Reared had trouble finding a professional model who would design, oh, who would dare, sorry, dare to wear the scandalously skimpy two-piece bathing suit. So, he turned to Michelle Bernardini, an exotic dancer who had no qualms about peering nearly nude in public. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. 20 bucks is 20 bucks, you know. <laughs> right, especially in 1940s. Right. The bikini was a hit, especially among men, as Bernardini received some 50,000 fan letters. Go figure. Yeah. Weird. Before long, bold young women in bikinis were causing a sensation along the Mediterranean coast. And by sensation, they mean all their husbands were not paying attention to them. It was, (laughs) what is that? So, because of the sensation, Spain and Italy passed laws prohibiting bikinis on public beaches, but later changed them due to the changing times when the swimsuit grew into a mainstay of European beaches in the 50s. Reard's business soared, and in advertisements, he kept the bikini mystique alive by declaring that a two-piece suit wasn't a genuine bikini unless it could be pulled through a wedding ring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) This guy... This guy was something. Clever as hell. Clever as hell. In the prudish America, the bikini was successfully resisted until the early 1960s, when a new emphasis on youthful liberation brought the swimsuit to the U.S. beaches. In 1960, the teenage beach blanket movies of Annette Funicello and Frankie Avalon fame Brought the popularity of the bikini to the California surfing culture, and it was celebrated by rock groups like the Beach Boys. Since then, the popularity of the bikini has hardly diminished, though on beaches in Brazil and the Mediterranean today, many women favor the monokini, a swimsuit style that consists solely of the bikini bottom. Okay, yep. Okay. All right. I got you. All right. You know where I'm going. Yep. Picking up what you put down. Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. All right. And that's it. That was military history. 
Did I tell you what I learned? Down You're going to tell me. You don't need boot blousers to blouse your boots. Okay. Do you ever wonder why army socks compete with like exotic dancer stockings in length? I've never heard that. So the army socks, right? You know, like if you put them on, they go all the way up past your knee. Oh, yeah. they, they Well, no, mine don't. Mine go right up to my knee. But okay. okay. Yeah. So what you're supposed to do is flop all that extra down over the top of your boot. And then you take your pant leg and you tuck it into the sock and you have yourself blouse boots. Uh, I'd have to try it. But just by description, I think it's uncomfortable. It No, it's completely comfortable and it works. I, I, I don't doubt you. I really don't. I Right over here, you can't see it. Nobody can see it because nobody else has got video. Uh, but I have probably 12 pairs of boot blousers right here on my desk because every once in a while you lose one, you've got extras. Yeah, but if you're always wearing your socks. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm you, never wearing my green socks. Dude, you will. It is life-changing. You know, I've worn white socks. I've worn all sorts of socks. I love socks. <laughs> now that I said that, I'm like, what the? <laughs> I love socks, right? So I, I went to, I was at, uh, I think, MRT school. And uh, I, I was out of green socks, black socks. I was like, whatever. I throw on a pair of white socks. But I didn't realize I was wearing my short pants. And so I'm sitting there at the table and, uh, you know, and uh, my pants are up. And first sergeant is uh, giving his class, and he just keeps looking down, keeps looking down. I'm like, oh, God, first sergeant, don't do it. Don't do it. And he, he just breaks out. He's like, Sergeant Seagar, your socks are distracting me. And I'm like, yeah, God, I know it's wrong, but, like, my feet are healthy. So what's the big deal? Yeah. So what else? What else are we going to talk about? I mean, I don't know. Um, Hazing through donations. Well, you brought that. Up. Yeah, you you kind of like hinted around to it, and I'm like, okay, I I, I I might be able to see where you're going. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about, right? Like every time, there's always like somebody asking for some form of donation, right? Sure. Whether it's the enlisted association or raffle tickets for 50-50 or... Well, so, okay, so the raffle tickets, the 50-50 raffle, technically illegal. <laughs> technically. I'm going to just throw it out there, right? If and it I'm were guilty. to happen, it would be illegal. I mean, I'm not guilty. Uh, the 50-50 raffle is technically illegal, right? Uh, but here's my thing is that there's you, you want to do an MWR event. What's that going to take? You know, uh, 50 bucks worth of beef or whatever. Who's going to front that? So if everybody throws in a buck, uh, you make 30 or 50 bucks, the winner gets 25. Like it, it's, it makes sense, but it's looked at as gambling. I don't know. It was, I'll say this. It was really bad at walks. Like they call it a thousand dollar dot, right? <laughs> the what? The thousand dollar dot. Okay, it's a fucking block for one. So it's like <laughs> one. Uh, I'm not a cadet, right? But like, it was always something. People were like, "Oh, hey, uh, we need to get the tax a uh, a gift. We need 
$20 from everybody or some shit, right? Oh, how big was your class? Like 92. 92 times 20. That's a lot of math. That's yeah, I don't math in public. Right. They did that when we were when we went to SLC, they did that at the end. Hey, everybody we want to get this instructor or these instructors a gift. Throw in a couple bucks. They did, but you and I looked at each other like, fuck that. They didn't teach us shit. Well, they kept saying, oh, it's y'all's class. It's y'all's class. That, and they were doing their job. I understand, you know, pooling a little bit of money to get a gift for somebody who truly influenced you. Did they influence everybody? And then it's almost kind of like, oh, well, I feel bad if I don't throw in a couple bucks. Well, if they didn't influence you, don't throw in a couple bucks. Right. Well, but I have that problem with, oh, it's the same thing where everybody who gets done teaching a class. Like, I, I taught a stupid ass class that every single one of you has heard every year for 10 years. Why are we clapping? People would applaud for everything. It was so stupid. We're like, why? Why are we clapping? What, what does it mean? What the fuck is this all about? Right. <laughs> Finally, one guy, my he was my roommate, Nelson. At the beginning, he was my roommate. Once we moved over and got divided up into platoons, he wasn't. But he's like, oh, what is this all about? So then every time they would see him, they'd be like, yay, Nelson, and start clapping. <laughs> 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 or, uh, or it was always... His birthday. Every day was his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Just sing happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nelson, it's your birthday. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> I partake in the coffee fund, so I throw in a couple bucks. You know, like every you know two or three months, I'll throw a $20 bill in the coffee fund because I drink coffee. You know, uh, they we have, we have a, uh, you know, people come, people go. And, uh, you know, you got to come up with money because there is a little bit of a fund out there for gifts for people, but it's really minimal and doesn't do anything other than like maybe some flowers or something like right. that. You know, so I, I understand having to put a little bit of money in the kitty and the enlisted side doesn't have the thing that the officers do. I've seen the officers like you have to pay. Uh, well, you don't have to, but it's suggested that you have to pay in a yearly membership dues, and that goes to buying gifts. The enlisted, not so much. All right. So what would you say would be a reasonable amount, amount of money for a month for coffee? Uh, well, okay. So I'll put it this way. Uh, I just took a $100 bill, bought six huge uh, containers of Folgers, and uh, like a thousand coffee filters, and that was a hundred dollars. Now, how long will that last? Eh, probably three months for a shop of how many people, roughly? Well, we have anywhere between say five and eight people drinking coffee at any given point in time. Okay, and I'm probably the biggest coffee drinker. I wouldn't say all ninety of us were drinking coffee at a time, but it's twenty dollars to buy into the coffee fund. For a month. For a month per person. How many people joined in? They collected something like thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars. Okay, yeah, that's ridiculous. There's no way yeah, there's no way that you're you went through thirteen hundred dollars worth of coffee as a class in a month. Yeah. 
but it was just seems like it was always everything, right? Like, oh, did you get the senior mentor a gift? You got us a gift. You didn't get the senior mentor a gift. Oh, for fuck's sake. I saw the guy four times. Gifts are nice. They are. I think the last time when I was at the company level, we had a first sergeant and a commander leaving at approximately the same time. I had to buy two guidons. And that was like $320. Yeah. So every time a commander and a first sergeant comes through, we're going to give them a guidon? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, that's a thing. But if that's a thing, then there needs to be the money through the army to replace the guidon, knowing that every two, three years or whatever it is that a commanding NCO or a commanding officer comes through, you're going to give them a guidon. And why not in a transportation company are you not giving the, the warrant officer a guidon when he leaves? Yeah, it's it's dumb. I, You know, here's what kills me is it's like uh, you see the people, and I'm ranting, by the way. That's fine. I, I see people leave. Like I, my current position I came into, and, and we've had a lot of turnover, and that just happens. But it's just like, for instance, you do your, um, your Secret Santa at Christmas. And I get it. You, somebody's new. You don't know anything about them. But who the hell gives you a freaking sausage and cheese platter? <laughs> Maybe they thought you like sausage. <laughs> well, right. But it's just to me, it was like like I'm watching all these other people because we always go from like youngest to oldest, and I'm at the top. And and you know, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I understand why they got that gift, you know. And I don't know some of these people at all. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Blah blah blah. blah. I got a meat and cheese platter, and I'm like, I don't know who the hell my secret Santa was, but you obviously don't give a shit. What else do you get, Grandpa? <laughs> Nobody buys anybody a meat and cheese platter, but I digress. Uh, yes. Pepperidge Farms remembers. <laughs> was it summer sausage? <laughs> Indeed. Fucking laugh it up, guy. Laugh it up. But the, the, your, your point being is that it's like you think throw money into the pot because it's like, yeah, okay. Hey, I get it. You know, nothing's free. You know, you want to get somebody something for doing a good job. But then what I hate is that there's no standardization. I hate that two people are leaving the organization at one given point in time. And one person gets this gift that's really personalized and caring. And this other person gets freaking spirit sleeves. Like what? What'd you say? Spirit sleeves. Uh, it's, it's one person gets a sincere gift that costs money. The other person yeah. gets a joke gift. Just give them a certificate of appreciation and call it a day. One hundred percent spirit sleeves. <laughs> the outgoing warrant officer got a pom pom. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It's like standardize the shit, right? But it changes. It constantly changes. Yeah. It just seems like nonsense. You know, like it was t-shirts and it was coins and it was flowers for somebody's dead somebody or another. Yeah, I get it. If that's your organization, you're vested into that organization and those people. But when you're at a school, you're there to learn, not buy somebody's spouse flowers. 
because their husband couldn't get a heart on. Right. You know, you know what I mean? No, I get it. I get it. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, but you get down there, right? You got to pay for alterations to your uniform and you got to the upgrade kit or an enlisted officer. You, they change the uniform, which makes sense. Yep. Right. But that's all just got it. That's you got that. You have to do that. Yep. So the, the stuff you got to do, I don't have a problem with that. No, I don't either. And it was all the other nonsense. Like, quit giving me freaking awards. I've got enough. I don't need <laughs> yeah, more true. awards to update my ribbon rack because that costs money, right? Give me a coin. I'm happy with that. Uh, you know, you go enlisted to officer. You got to, you know, you, you get promoted from E60, 70. You got to get your so-ons, you know. Like, I get that. Yeah. That's part of it. I gotta pay to wash my car. Wait, I didn't even cut. I didn't even bring a car here. Oh, I gotta right pay to wash somebody else's car. Like I don't. I don't understand. No, I had to wash somebody else's car. <laughs> Talk about bikinis. I hope you wa- I hope you wore your bikini. Yeah, they they couldn't get out of that drying station fast enough. <laughs> you want to push people through fast? Here we go. Show Bacon's ass. <laughs> So do you go through the car wash down there when they uh, when they have it? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> do they do the car wash there? Or no? Yeah, they sure do. They do. They do the car wash. They have all the different damn events. They yeah, they do all that bullshit. They can't possibly raise any money because who's coming into that place on a Saturday unless it's like a drill weekend? Oh no, they they do really well. I mean, because you, do I they? mean, yeah, because people support people, right? Like, hey, if you have the means to support people, by all means, support people, right? Support your organizations, right? But what I don't like is when, hey, I, I'm kind of broke right now, you know. Like, I know people who have 16 kids. Do you know the Duggars? No. No, I literally know somebody who has 16 kids and in the military. It might be retired now, but, you know, it was like, you're going to ask this guy for a dollar when he's got 17 mouths in total to feed? What's wrong with you? Right. I had a guy downtown on Saturday. He asked me if I had a dollar sixty-one for a Coke. That's cheap. But he asked for dollar sixty-one exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, like bro, I don't have I don't have 61 cents. But if you get a dollar 61 from 10 people, you can afford some coke. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what a bag of coke goes for. A I, can of coke. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Wait, given your actual name, you should know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> that was that was my favorite introduction ever. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Government Name, just like that guy, only without the Coke habit. <laughs> no, without the cash, cars, or Coke. It's a hit. It's a hit every time. Yeah, it's awesome. I remember it now. <laughs> I still use it today. Yeah, the the uh, HRO, uh, Human Resources Office, called me today, and they're like, uh, okay, so we're going to process today this, uh, your promotion today. Uh, you know, uh, you're, when we do this, you're probably going to lose uh, permissions to this system. I'm like, yeah, okay, uh, since I own that system, okay. Uh, they're, and, and they're like, uh, are you SLC qualified? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, matter of fact, I'm the only one on the promotion list that's qualified, but... Thanks for playing. Right. You should know this. 
They should know that. Well, now you can enroll into DLC 4. Yeah, yep, I sure can. It's like an interactive cartoon. They all are. I did mine since I was already in E7. I came home. I'd be on two two weeks of COVID quarantine anyway, so I grabbed a couple cases of beer Mm -hmm. and uh, had my work computer. And I did my, uh, I did that in like day and a half. So my DLC three, I tried to do on my government computer and I couldn't even get through the first module. I came home that night, logged, uh, logged into my Mac and I was done with DLC three in four hours. I have a great Mac. <laughs> I'm my, I am a part of the Mac cult. Anyway, we know. Uh, we've been rambling on for a while. I think we should get the hell on out of here. Call it an episode. People got shit to do. <laughs> yeah, like I don't even know why people are listening to this. I don't know. They like the soothing sound of your voice. Mm, yeah, maybe not. Uh, so anyway, uh, we got what? We have one more recording uh, before July. Yeah. We'll do the time travel again uh, for the month of July, and then we'll come back in August stronger than ever, hopefully with a new intro, a new outro, and a few new tricks in the bag, if we're lucky. We'll see what happens. All right, brother. Uh, Let's call this an episode, and uh, we'll catch everybody in two weeks. All right. Stop a my friends.